I'm going to speak on Acts chapter 5 this morning, and um, I must have stepped out of the room when this one was assigned, because I've got um, Ananias and Sapphira, which is such a cool story to, to speak on, just to encourage us on a Sunday morning. So let me jump right in there, uh, buckle up. <coughs> um, now, uh, a man named Ananias, or probably Ananias, I guess he would be properly uh, pronounced, uh, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, uh, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? So what made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. And then some of the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the Spirit of God? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry carry you out as well. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband, and great fear seized the church and all who heard about these events. Awesome. What are we going to do with that scripture? That's going to be fun, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know the the Bible's got a lot of puzzling stories in it, and and this one is right up there with it, and you know, and it, it seems a seems a fascinating a fascinating thing. We're, we're chapter five. We're just a few weeks into the life of this fledgling church, you know, and, and um, chapter four finishes with this incredible spontaneous generosity of the church. Um, a guy called Barnabas who goes on and becomes a significant character in the in the church. Um, uh, goes and sells some land and, and gives it to the apostles as the church expands because they were, um, you know, because, because of their decision to follow Christ, some of the, particularly some of the widows were finding themselves with no sources of income, that they were, uh, disinherited and so on. And, um, so, so there was this incredible generosity that, that, um, came and, and, uh, was, was beginning to, uh, um, supply needs for the church so that they could move forward. Uh, and, and then, uh, sort of feels like like week three or week four uh, a couple kind of get killed by god um it's a tough way to start a church now for vicky and i uh we're serial church planters we've we've planted a number of churches over the years and one of the things that we've never planned for is you know week three or four kill somebody um you know and just and just scare you know scare the hell out of people you know it's never been part of the plan for how to how to really plant a church and um so i guess you know i i mean i'm trying to make light of it but but it's a it's a it's a sobering story and i guess what we've got to do is we've got to pause and we've got to ask ourselves this is an odd story why on earth is it here and why on earth did it happen and um it's fascinating there's a there's a really fun book um called god behaving badly um, that where, where a writer has, has written a book just trying to explain some of these things that you kind of go, you, we scratch our heads, we kind of think, you know, God surely is a much better version of me, and I wouldn't do that. Why, why would that happen? And um, 
But one of the things that you kind of notice uh, throughout the Old Testament, uh, and some of these Old Testament stories, and you know, and, and um, uh, as as the nation of Israel begins to be formed, and they and they uh, Moses leads them into the desert uh, on on route to the Promised Land, and Matthew, in, in Numbers twelve, um, Moses' brother Aaron and his sister Miriam decide to challenge him and kind of go, "Hey, you're not the only one who speaks for God," and at that moment, God God smites them both. Just a small smiting. They didn't die. Um, but they, they turned leprous and they, they had to ask him to come and pray for them. Uh, four chapters on, uh, a chappy called, uh, Korah and 2,249 other people rebelled against Moses and said, you know, we can, you know, we don't need you. Who are you? Who, who, who made you our leader? And the ground opens up and swallows them up. 250 people gone. Boom. Uh, we, we move on. Le- uh, Leviticus 10. Uh, Aaron's sons. He's already had a bit of a brush with, uh, with, with judgment. And, uh, so Leviticus 10, chapters 1, 5. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. Uh, they decide that, you know, it's kind of a bit of a bore to have to kind of put all, put together all these offerings in the right way. Surely you just, can't you just kind of put your own potion together and, and burn it before God? And, and so they offer what, what the scriptures call strange fire. They they make an offering that's not authorized by God, and the and the and the fire comes out from the presence of God and consumes them. These are these aren't these great stories. Anyone feeling encouraged at this stage? Um, the, then you kind of move. You know, we we move from moving into the promised land. We move to the to the to the to the, to the part where there's the tabernacle, and they're moving towards the, uh, bringing the ark of the covenant back to Jerusalem, so that David the king can build a a, a, a temple uh, or begin the process of building a temple for God. And the, and they're moving the the ark of the covenant where the the very the very uh, uh, box that 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 holds some significant artifacts that the, that the nation of Israel uh, carried and they they saw this as being the very center of the presence of God and they're moving it that the Philistines had uh, taken it in conquest they'd won it back and they were bringing it back to Jerusalem it was on a cart. And this guy Uzzah is following on the cart, and he sees the cart hit a pothole, and and it looks like the ark of the covenant's going to fall off the cart. He reaches out his hand to to make sure the ark of the covenant doesn't fall off the the cart, and guess what? He gets killed too. So, I just want us to think about how. <laughs> how am I doing? No, no, I don't. I don't think it's like that. But it's it's a funny thing, isn't it? It seems like at the beginning of each development of the of the, the story of God with His people, that there's this moment where it seems like everything is going really sweet, and something horrible happens. Someone gets killed, you know. And it seems like why would that be? Why why is there judgment? Why you know does does God sort of wake up one day and it's kind of like I I put up with this, I put up with this. This just really annoys me. I'm going to smite them. You know, it's a it's a strange thing. Uh, you know, I wonder I, I wonder if Chernobyl could help us. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I I think you know when you when you start thinking about these things of of the of the glory of God and what an amazing God He is, uh, you know, the, He's always gone to great lengths to kind of go. This is how we approach this God. There's right and wrong ways. For example, to handle radioactive materials. <clears throat> there's a there's a right way to carry uranium two three five, and there's a wrong way to carry uranium two three five. If you pick it up in your hand, you'll die. <clears throat> and it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit like that. That that you know, is it the fault of the, the uranium that people that picked it up died, 
or is it a fault of the person who picked it up? You know, is, that, is, is God just mean and arbitrary, or, or is there something that a human has done that's, that's, that's kind of stepped, uh, well, has, has misstepped? <clears throat> Again, you know, God's holy, and I think one of the things that God, at, at every stage, you know, and, and I could have picked some more stories, but I just wanted to just kind of pick some fun ones, but, but fun for us, not for them, um, and, and kind of look at it and go, are there, are there moments that God kind of says, this is how you approach me? This is how you have relationship with me. This this is what the family is going to be like. And, and, and then he says, and I, I want you to live this way. I, I, I've got a whole new family, and this is the way the God family lives. This is the way the Father wants his children to behave themselves. And he's got those clear ways for us to talk to him, to have relationship with him, to speak, even to speak on behalf of him. But we ignore if we ignore those ways deliberately, it's like picking up uranium in our hands. It will kill us. You know, God is not to be trifled with. And, and one of the things, you know, in this, in this series, oh, it stopped working, Rob. <clears throat> um, one of the things in this, in this series is that it's, that it's the story of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Story of Acts is the acts of the Holy Spirit and the believers as they form a church that will grow and spread all over the world. And as with the Gospels, the writers are at pains to help Jewish believers, first of all, kind of recognize there's a there's a there's a little story happening here that reminds me of a, of a previous story uh, that there's that there's that there's um you know over and over again you see it through the book of acts and you see it through the through the uh through the gospels the four gospels that there are little hints in there that remind that a jewish believer would look and go oh that reminds me of something that happened in the old testament that reminds me of something about the long story that we're part of. That that what what they were what what Luke was really leaning into was I want I want the people who who hear and read the story to go I remember. It was like that. It was like that at creation. It was like that at the first covenant. It was like that at the one before. <coughs> I come back one, <coughs> and um, thanks, Rob. <coughs> And it's helping them recognize the legitimacy of Jesus. And then in the book of Acts, Luke's at pains to, to help people re- remember what we're experiencing as this church grows is exactly the same stuff that happened with Jesus. It's exactly the same stuff that happened with Moses. It's exactly the same stuff that happened right at the very beginning of creation. That, that Jesus, you know, God's starting a new covenant family. Jesus is the new Adam. Jesus is the new Moses. Jesus is the new David, and this story are the, are the parallels of that. You know, again, one of the things that's right in the story that we read about Ananias and Sapphira, uh, you know, Peter says to Ananias, he says, has Satan filled your heart? You know, and, and doesn't that immediately, does it, does it remind you of another place where that was said? Where Jesus, I'm helping you, um, so, you know, but, but remember when, when, when Judas was sitting at the table and and. Uh, you know, and when they were celebrating the, the last Passover, and Jesus says to Satan, "You know, why has Satan filled your heart? You know, why has he filled your heart?" And it's the same thing here. And and there's clues all the way through this. I mean, the, the, I don't think the writers are trying to, to to make it so it's hard to understand. They're trying to make it so obvious to understand. You know, it's like you know, if I if I went da 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 da. You'd kind of go, that's the warehouse. You want me to go buy something at the warehouse? And, uh, and every one of these things is like a little, ah, oh, it's that. I get it. I get it. 
Satan fills your heart. This is the same thing. We need to deal with this. You know, and again, what we see the apostles doing all the way through Acts are like echoes of what Jesus did in front of them in the Gospels. You know, the way they first did the healings, the way they first raised someone from the dead, just, they just, you know, they just exactly did what they saw Jesus doing. And that's the way the Gospel and the church is passed on. And again, we, we remember that the story of God and, and of his people and of his creation, it's not some disconnected story. It starts at creation, and that story never breaks. And we're part of a story that has been going on for thousands of years. That, that The church is not just kind of like, oh, well, that, that whole Old Testament thing, that was a complete waste of time, so let's wrap it and chuck it. it it's not that at all. It's, it's a continuous story. You know, that, that we, we find our connection back through the family line, all the way back to the very beginning. You know, that we were in God's heart right at the very beginning. It's a very beautiful thing. And in this never-ending, continuous love story of God, creating and raising a family to carry his glory and his presence into all creation, it's the story of a king and his kingdom. And what he's reminding us through this, through this odd story and, and through a painful story in reality is he's reminding us that God is holy, that he's a, that he's a good God, that he's a holy God. I'm, I'm going to come back and, and talk a little bit about that in a moment in terms of, but what about Ananias and Sapphira? What, you know, th- wasn't, that a, wasn't that a tough gig for them? But it's, but it's this reminder that, that right at the beginning, as, as he begins this next, this next unfolding of his plan with the church, he's saying this has to be holy. That the church is not a human institution. The church is a divine institution. That it's God's idea, not, not human's idea. And, and when we talk about holy, it, it has these meanings. It's, it's to be set apart. It's to be distinct. It's to be sacred. It's to be dedicated or consecrated to God. And, and right at the beginning of the church, God is, God is setting one of these echoes into our, into our hearts so that we see the story of Ananias and Sapphira and go, oh my gosh. This is just the same as that. It's the same as the previous one. It's the same as it just, it's all, all along the way, God kind of goes, let me give you a warning that the church is holy, that, that this is not, this is not a do it yourself thing. He was not starting a human community, but he was starting one that was created and born of God, that you had to be born again to be part of this church. And again, this is not a moralistic story to make sure that you always give everything that you meant to give. It's not a story about, about money. It was this, that great fear, verse 11, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And it's interesting that the, that the fear is not, is not that kind of, um, frightened fear that, that that to be to be afraid and to turn away it's it's a deep respect you know I, i've had a couple of electric shocks um <laughs> which is which is kind of interesting and and survived as you can tell <coughs> but but after the second the, the the first one was was minor but the second one was kind of interesting i was i was i was uh, had done some wallpapering and um, and I, and I was trying to cut around the, the the light switch and just kind of thought, you know, it'd be really smart to to not cut around a light switch without without pulling the fuse. So I went up to the fuse box and pulled the fuse with with wet sticky hands and grabbed the fuse and woke up on the lawn. Um, <laughs> and and fortunately, you know, I, I did not die, but but I was. Bright red, apparently, my friend told me. Um, <coughs> and but what it what it's told me, it, it, it was a very good lesson because what it taught me was this: 
Power is to be revered. <laughs> power is to be feared. I'm glad for power. You know, I, I, I love what electricity can do, but you don't mess with it. Great fear filled my heart <laughs> when it comes to power. And it's the same thing with this. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that we don't see this act reoccur every time the church spread. It wasn't when they went into when they went into the into the Jewish into the non-Jewish uh, part of the world that that people had to die to to just remind the churches about this. But this was a one-time only, you know. And I'm glad it was just a one-time act. But it set the pattern that the church is holy, and and every, you know, and each one of those events that I kind of reminded you of in the Old Testament were just to remind the church. You, you know, you don't touch the ark like that. They'd been given instructions. You use poles. You know, the, the priests are the ones who carry the ark of the covenant. You don't put it on some old cart. You don't you don't bump it along a bumpy road. It's carried with dignity and with re, with great respect and with great fear. And in the same way, this church this church is not. It's, it's just not a some old do-it-yourself organization. It's a holy creation of God. Now, I'm also confident when I think about, just for a moment, thinking about Ananias and Sapphira, you know, I'm confident that, that also in this, in this wonderful thing, you know, often when I hit something in the scriptures and I kind of go, I, I, I can't understand that from, from, from the way that I'm, you know, my, my understanding of morality, my understanding of fairness, you know, it, I mean, it kind of seems pretty rough, doesn't it? It was like them, I mean, what did they do wrong? They just, they, they sold, they sold something. It was an act of generosity, but they just lied about the amount. And you kind of go, that seems really mean. But it was, but it was, this, it's interesting that, that, um, when Peter talked to Sapphira, he says, how could you conspire to test the Spirit of God? And it's this thing of testing the Spirit of God that was, the, that was the problem. It, it wasn't about lying to the apostles. It wasn't about holding their own money back. It wasn't, it wasn't about trying to look great in people's eyes. It was this thing of testing the Holy Spirit. And, and it's interesting that, that Jesus talked about, you know, that, that the one, the one unforgivable sin is, is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and I'd have to say this, after, after, uh, 40 years of, of being a, a, a preacher, I still don't really understand what that is. I don't want, I don't understand what it, what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I just want to keep well away from it. You know, it kind of, it's a bit like the fuse box in a wet hand. I, I just, I just want to make sure I don't go anywhere near that. Cause, it, cause, but what I do know is this. When, it, like I say, whenever I kind of hit something, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't know about, you know, why, why, why did God seem to really nail this couple? When there was a lot worse things that, that are going to happen in the life of the church. You know, we're, we've been guilty of some pretty horrendous sins over the years. You know, why did he, why did he do that to this couple? And I always lean into this thing in Genesis 18.25 where it says, will not the judge of all the earth do right? And, you know, and, and, and it's one of my go-to verses for when I, when I just, it's like, I don't understand. I don't understand why their sin was worse than anyone else's. I don't know why it was worse than mine. You know, I've done some stupid things, you know, that, that surely I should have been judged for. You know, and, and yet shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Again, it, just as we move on, you know, there's, there's this, there's this kind of sense of, again, to go back and sort of think about this in, in every, in every kind of unfolding of the story of God and His people, there's been an original sin. You know, with, with the, with the act of creation, we know that by the time you get to Genesis 3, Adam and Eve have, have, have decided, blatantly, deliberately decided to, to 
ignore what God said, where he said you can eat from anything in the garden, but do not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good. Uh, of, do, do not eat of the, yeah, of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Not an apple, but the, but the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil. I don't know why it always gets put in there as an apple. It's a, it's a puzzlement to me. Um, it's the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they deliberately say, you know, Satan, Satan tests them and sort of says, um, you know, did God really say? But don't you know that if you do this, you're going to be like God? And so they go, yeah, that'd be good. Let's do it. And they eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's, the, that's, the, that's that first sin, and it was judged. And, 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 and God, God had to kill the animals, clothe them with animal skins. It was, it was the first shedding of blood that took place after that act. And the kingdom, the, the, the original sin in the, in the kingdom as it was, as it was set up was, was the rebellion of Saul where he says, I, I can't wait for the right person to turn up. I'm going to offer the sacrifice. He stepped in and became, instead of being a king, he acted as a priest. And it was his sin that just brought such trouble to the kingdom. And the church is Ananias and Sapphira. So, so every time the story unfolds, you, you, you kind of look and go, what was, what was the original sin? What's the point of it? What's, what's God trying to teach us from it? You know, it, it, it's, it's, this, it, it's this story that we, it reminds us that the stakes are high. That we only get one shot at life. That the vast revelation of God is that we, is that if we see Jesus, um, we're going to see exactly what and who God is. Uh, every so often in the canon of Scripture, there's one of these sobering stories that reminds us God's our Creator. We need to treat Him with respect. That that it's He's not to be trifled with. You know, again, you know, it seems like for most of the 33 years that Jesus walked on the face of the earth as the son of Mary, most of the time it was like he didn't reveal his divine nature. But every now and then something happened, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane when the soldiers came to arrest him, you know, and they say, you know, we're looking for Jesus. And he says, I am. And they fell down. You know, you kind of go, oh my gosh, just for a moment, he just let a little divinity slip out. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. This, this God that we serve is such a powerful God. And, and I, I, I think this story, you know, and the reason I'm kind of lingering on it is it's, is it's an odd story. It's a puzzling story. You know, it's a story that, you know, if I was writing the book, I wouldn't have put it in there. But fortunately, I wasn't writing the book because it needs to be in there because it reminds us this story is really important. That, that, you know, from our, from our perspective, it's, it just seems arbitrary. But from God's perspective, it was one of these. Uh, it, was, it was an original sin. It was one that it was like the church will not be like this. The church must not act like this. Now, you know, for many of us, there's, there's part of the story that kind of that feeds into, into a broken part of our lives, which is that we tend to see God, um, you know, for, maybe for, for some of us, maybe for many of us, we, we, we have an overdeveloped perception of God as being, a, you know, an angry judge whose finger is just poising, poised above the smite button. He's just waiting for us to do something wrong so he can get us and judge us and, you know, make our lives miserable. And, and, and yet, you know, 
you know, he can do whatever he, he wants to do. He, he's God, you know, he, he's allowed to do that. But the Bible goes to great pains to explain the heart of God as being good, as being the God who seeks us out for friendship and seeks us out to be family. He's the God that will go to any length to reach us and to lavishly love us. He's the, you know, if we want to know what God is like, we take a long look at Jesus. You know, any other picture of what God's like is wrong. It's faulty. It's always, he's not the angry judge. He's Jesus. You know, he's, you know, is Jesus the angry judge? I don't see that in him. Does, you know, it, it's, it's that long look into the eyes of Jesus. We see it in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament covenants. We see it in the Old Testament prophets. We see it in King, da- King David in the kingdom. And ultimately we see God himself as one who comes to be one of us in order to reach us and to welcome each one of us. And so this story, this story is just a reminder that, that the church is not some kind of do-it-yourself church. It's, it's not, let's just kind of, you know, let's kind of make it how we really enjoy it. Let, let's, let's, let's make it, you know, and for, for New Zealand, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge for us because we're such a do-it-yourself nation. It's a particularly hard habit for us to break free from. But the church's origin is divine, not human. Birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, it's birthed through humans and it's given to humans, but it's not the other way around. Pastors are not the bosses of churches and not, neither are congregations bosses of churches. You know, I, I mean, one of the, I, I think one of the things, you know, if, if Vicky was standing with me this morning, but she's, she's wrangling three grandchildren right now. So she, she thought, you, you take the easy job, you go preach um, and, and um, I'll wrangle them. Um, but in every church that we've planted, it's really interesting. There's always been a moment when there's been a temptation to compromise. Let's, let's take the shortcut. And, and I, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I can't remember. I don't think I've got, got a slide for this. No, I don't. But, but um, a, a beautiful writer who, who wrote a book, a guy called Robert Clinton wrote a book, and he talked about how, how we develop as influencers. Um, it, it's called um, The Making of a Leader. And he says, in every one of our lives, we'll, we'll face tests. And, and the reason we face tests is, it's, is it, one, is it reveals our heart to ourselves. God, God knows exactly what we're like, but he wants us to know what we're like. And so he sets up tests, and he says, there's, there's primarily there's three kinds of tests that we go through. And, that, and, and, and as churches, we go through these same tests too. There's, there's a word test, which is, will you believe what I've told you? You know, if God, God speaks something to us, and we're always tested by it. You know, he, he says something to us, we believe it, and then we get tested on it. The circumstances, go, you know, turn to, turn to custard. We kind of go, well, I still believe it. It's, a, it's, it's the word test. There's, there's, a, there's an obedience test where will I, will I act morally? Will I, do, will, I do, will I act according to the kind of person that I am? Will, will I simply obey this? And then, there's, and then there's another test called the integrity test. And, you know, Integrity is essentially, it's, it's the measure of whether, whether a, an object has an inherent strength in itself to be able to do what it's meant to do. So, you know, if a bridge has integrity, it can handle the traffic that drives over it. So, and in the integrity test is, are we strong enough to handle what life is going to deliver us? And there's integrity tests. You know, and, and I'd have to say, in every church that we've planted, is, there's been that, those same tests of, will we do what God told us to do? Will we will we act like God's people are meant to act, and and will we will we develop the strength that we're meant to develop so that we can continue to do this? I think that's what the story is all about. 
I, I think that's what the story of Ananias and Sapphira is all about. It's the original sin. It's this, it's this first thing to remind us that this is an unfolding story and it's found its climax in Jesus. That, that he's, and that this church is not, is not just some lovely kind of human idea, but it's, but it's him. And his call is that the church would be holy, that we'd be set apart, that we'd be distinct, that we're different, that, that, we're, that we're ruled by love, that we're called to march to the beat of a, diff, a different drum. That we're out of step with the world and in step with the Holy Spirit. And he's constantly calling us on that. I, I think it's a, it's a brutal reminder right here in the very early stage of this, of this account. Let me, let me move on just a little bit because we need, we need a little bit of good news. Um, and I think it gets happier from this point on. <coughs> Verse 12. Uh, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and their, those tormented by impure spirits. And all of them were healed. You know, I, I mean, this is, this is such a beautiful story, isn't it? Because if, if, if we just stay with the Ananias and Sapphira story, you kind of go, there is no hope for me. I am so going to mess up at some point. And what, and what the story goes on, where, where people got healed just if Peter's shadow fell on them, it's, it's pretty awesome. You know, I, I know this, that, that the people whose shadow Peter's shadow fell on, sorry, my mumbling over my words this morning, but when, the, but when his shadow fell on them, it was, it was completely arbitrary. It, they, might have, they might have had a fight with their wife this morning. You know, they might have yelled at their kids. They, they might have been involved in, in some dishonest dealing person in town. But when, the fa- when, when that shadow fell on them, they were healed. And what it tells us, it's almost like these two stories that are just so opposite. You know, one is you've really got, you, you need to walk carefully. And then there's this other one, that, but God's love is so lavish. He'll even reach people that don't even care. He'll, he'll reach people that aren't even watching. And that's, that's, the, that's the glory of God. It's, that's incredible. And, what, and, you know, and again, I, I just think it's such a beautiful story. You know, I mean, again, every church that we've planted in urban has had the same experience. As, as we've had seasons of what I would call raw power. And, you know, num- there's a bunch of us in this room here who have been through some of these seasons. You know, you know at the very beginning, when we, when we started these vineyard churches, we, we had, um, you know, we'd, we'd bring a handful of churches together for a shared Sunday gathering. We'd worship our hearts out. And people got saved in the worship people got healed and set free from demonic troubles in the in the worship before anyone preached before anyone decided to pray for anybody it was just the raw power of god you know just amazing times every time we've planted churches it's it's been like that there's been this there's been this incredible season and it was glorious and it was crazy but god was setting the dna in place uh, but but we also know this that that there's that there's ebbs and flows of that activity. Uh, uh, John Wimber used to say you can't have Christmas every day, uh, which is a shame. But but nonetheless, you know, because people would say, you know, why is it so awesome in the conferences and so and so average on a Sunday? 
And it was like, well, you, you can't have Christmas every day. It's, it's just not like that. You know, we, we're not designed to live at such a, such a high intensity. And so this, I, I think the ebbs and flows of that raw power of God is, is, is a little bit like that. It's, it's, again, it's God's grace. We often talk about this, that, that, that the, the progress of the church is always, is always these two steps of kingdom expansion. It's this, it's that Peter's shadow would fall on people and, and people not even expecting to get healed got healed. And then there's this community building, which is the Ananias and Sapphira story, which is, oh my goodness, you know, that, 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 um, you know, be careful how you build this church line organization. It, it's, you know, and so there's constantly these two steps. It's an amazing thing. And, you know, and, and again, um, that's a very poor representation of the beautiful booklet you're going to get this morning. But that was, that, that, that showed the sheer skill of my, um, technical skills. Um, but, but we can expect more seasons of refreshing. You know, over the next couple of weeks, we, we want to pause and we want to reflect on what came out of that prayer evening and what the next steps are for Urban. And, um, you know, I would really love you to look at that book because I, I think there's things that came out of the prayer night, there's things that came out of that Sunday where we shared our thoughts, uh, there's, there's things that people have been pondering since that time. I think a really really important for us in this transitioning time that we're in. You know, and we're, as um, uh, as Emma said, you know, we, we're going to, you know, we, we always knew the reality was that, that eventually a lease runs out, so we have to find another place. And so this is the, this is the inside of 65 um, Great North Road that, um, and we'd, we'd love for you to kind of see it and, and, and kind of tell us what you think. Um, but he's telling us, you know, we're in a time of transition again as a church. You know, physically we have to, we have to transition out of being here. I, I mean, and another thing that's, that's somewhat obvious is that, you know, at some point, Vicky and I are not going to stay as pastors, you know, otherwise it's going to be like weekend at Bernie's and you'll just bring us out and pull the string and, you know, um, you know, but eventually these, you know, you know, churches, churches, change is inevitable. It's necessary. It's better. You know, Ruru Street's not a permanent home. It's just a finite lease. New people come. New people take their place. People move. People change cities. You know, there's, there's so many things. And we're in this divine relay race with each one of us runs the race with all the, the strength that we have. You know, and we, we run with a tenacity that everything we can muster so that we can put the baton onto the next person's hand and say, run with all your might. You know, and in every move, we're going to expect those seasons of raw power. And every every time we take another move, we can expect some tests. And every time we move, we can expect just this joyous growth. Um, what's the time? It's uh, yeah. I think I think I'll stop. <clears throat> the story goes on, and it's a it's a repeat of another story, but. I, I just encourage you to read that part of that chapter. But I, I, I think what the Lord's reminding us in this in this odd, puzzling story, I think He's reminding us that we're we're caught up in something that's not to be controlled by us. That it's His story, that it's His church, that it's His activity, and that we're caught up in this thing. And we and we just we just. Uh, Paul puts it beautifully in Galatians where it says, so therefore let's keep in step with the Spirit. That if, that if for a moment that we're, that we're Jesus, because he wants to remind us of how incredible he is. He's a beautiful God who loves us. And the church is God's family. It's God's community. It's made up of imperfect people like, like me and you. 
that Jesus has invited us in and he's wrapped us up in what he's doing. And all he's really looking for, you know, even though we've looked at a sobering story, all he's really looking for is just a yes, Lord, and a please help. He's just looking for simple prayers. Lead us, Lord. Show us. You know, help, help me to keep making the right, the right decisions. Help me to keep pointing in the right direction. And those simple postures of yes, Lord, please help, will keep us moving forward. It's an amazing thing. You know, they help us. They allow us to participate in this new creation, this unfolding story that began with the creation and will end in the city. It's, it's an amazing story that we, that we get to be part of. And we're going to experience supernatural activity of a God who's crazy about us.